Well, there's lots going on in the world, isn't there? Sometimes it can be just overwhelming to look at the news. Sometimes we need to take a break uh, from, from the news. You know, things like Twitter got bought by Elon Musk, and uh, he just released this week that he changed his policy, a lot of the social media policy. If you posted anything that was contrary to public health, uh, then you were canceled off those social media platforms, and he changed that uh, and opened it up and allowed for more freedom of speech inside of, of Twitter. So there's that that's going on. Have you been following what's taking place in China? Uh, there's biggest protests since 1989. Uh, China is really upset because of all the restrictions that they continue to have because of COVID. And actually China's act making those even stricter. And so they've gone to the streets and, and they're protesting. And my heart is drawn towards believers there in China. We know there's a lot of believers in, in China. And just pray that God would, would strengthen them and pour out their grace uh, upon them. On a lighter note, U.S. did beat Iran in the <laughs> World Cup, right? Moving on to the sweet uh, 16. But the backstory behind Iran's soccer team is when they played England, their, their players didn't sing their national anthem. And so Iran, being such a, you know, tyranny type of government didn't appreciate that very well and had a meeting with the players and let them know, hey, if there's any kind of misbehavior before uh, the game, your family is going to, uh, to be imprisoned and tortured. Uh, so that's a CNN story uh, that, that's, that's out there. So how would you like that, to get that news and then like, I got to go play for these guys, right? And so when we see all, that's just a few things going on in, in the world. When we see all of that, it can cause our hearts to be very discouraged. But tonight we're going to look at true joy. And the, the joy that we have is actually found that our names are written in heaven. And this has been my prayer for, for us tonight, is that as we study the word, that this would really sink into our hearts. Because I think that we know this, like, as a believer, my name's written in heaven. But how does this really impact my life to have this mindset of being focused upon Christ, the joy that is set uh, before me. We're told in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You're going to go somewhere for joy. And the children of Israel had left their relationship with God to be their source of joy and tried to find joy in other places. You know, what are some places that you would maybe long to have your name written? Maybe the Hall of Fame. That'd be kind of cool and the different aspects. That'd be kind of a neat place to have your name written. A cool place to have your name written is a marriage certificate, isn't it? That's, that's a cool place to, to have your, your name written. On payroll is a good place to have your name written, to have that set up and to be working and have money coming into the bank account as well as going out of, of the bank account. It's, it's kind of neat if you earn a diploma and your, your name is, is on that uh, diploma. So it's a lot of really neat places to have your name written. But the ultimate place is to know that your name is written in heaven. Seventy disciples are sent out and they come back and they're really excited about what God has done. And Jesus gives them these instructions and that's where we pick up in verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even if the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You can see why they would be excited. Demons being cast out, the sick being healed, God providing for them in miraculous ways as they travel. But Jesus is quick to say, hey, look, you're finding your joy in the wrong place. Now, is it in a sinful place? No, it's not in a sinful place. They're serving the Lord. They're seeing God use their life. But it's displaced from their relationship with God. So we're going to talk about three things tonight, focusing that our name's written in heaven. And when we rejoice when our name is written in heaven, it provides protection. Because Jesus is really warning these 70 disciples about pride. He says, I saw Satan fall from lightning from heaven. And it's the trap, really, of ministry. It's the, the trap of, of serving the Lord. And you're like, how in the world could there be a trap in ministry? How in the world could there be a, a trap in serving the Lord? It seems counterintuitive, right? But as you begin to serve the Lord, God's gracious. And so he's going to use your life. You start serving in the body of Christ, God's going to use that. You start reaching out to unbelievers, God's going to use that. God used these 70 people that were willing to go out and to see what the Lord would do. And it's easy for us to then find our identity in the fact that God is, is using us. And I think that this can especially be a trap for pastors. You know, pastoring is a public position and people know you as a, as a pastor and people come up to you and address you as a pastor, which is, which is a privilege. And, and before you know it, you can start thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Maybe you can relate in, in some type of a service that you do as, as people start to go, oh, hey, hey, aren't you on the, the worship team or or aren't you uh, our youth leader? Didn't you go on the, you gone to missions trip? Or, hey, aren't you the one that's doing this in the neighborhood? I always see you out uh, shoveling people's snow. And you're like, ho, 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 ho. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. I, did, I didn't know that anybody was noticing, but I'm glad that you're noticing. Yeah, I was the one out shoveling people's snow. And we can, we can start to think that it's something about us and instead of about the Lord. And that pride begins to well up in our hearts. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Don't appoint a novice to the position of being an elder, lest they are puffed up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as Satan. So Paul recognized that there's this trap with ministry, and make sure that someone's not too new in the Lord to where when they start to see God use their life, that they think it's about them that they respond in pride instead of humility. And then what happens when that pride comes in their heart and life? Then they fall, just like Satan. And, and Satan fell very quickly. And you know this, I know this. It's, it's heartbreaking to see pastors fall, fall into sexual sin, fall into to pride, fall into abuse of power. In 2020, there was a really famous pastor, and, and he fell into sexual sin and to adultery. And I remember checking the news and it was a national story. And what was so humbling about his story is the lady that he committed adultery with, she leaked the whole story to New York Times, like how they met, how the relationship developed. And, and it's just humiliating, right? Humiliating for this man to, 
to have his sin out for the whole world uh, to be able to see. And how quickly that fall took place in, in his life. I was reading another article today about another pastor that he fell in 2010 to, to sexual sin. And he just, he just finished a restoration process. 13 years. This is 2023. He fell in 2010 and just got restored to pastoral ministry. And it hit me what he wrote. He said, we're all broken people that need a savior. He says, I can't go back and change the past. And believe me, I wish I could. But all I can do is continue to move forward in, in the future and, and trust in the gospel. And he said, praise the Lord for, for the gospel. And so we see this lived out, don't we? We see this lived out in, in front of us. We probably have all known those that, in ministry that started out well, that loved the Lord and served the Lord and close friends. And then something happened. They, they got off track. How, how, did they, how did they get off track? Well, pride came into their heart. Pride came into their life and, and their joy, their identity became in something other than the gospel and the fact that our name's written in heaven. Because if our joy is in our name's written in heaven, we talked about it a bit on Sunday and Saturday night, we can't take credit for it. We can't take credit for it. God's the one that did it. He saved us. He revealed himself to us. We were lost and, and found. So there's real protection. There's protection from pride that comes in if we find ourselves finding joy in the Lord. And it may be ministry or it may be your job, you know. And your job is your ministry. But we can easily find our identity in what we do. And there's something far greater to find our identity in the fact that we're loved by the Lord. And I think John, the disciple, had this right when he writes the Gospel of John. Do you know he never referred to himself by name in the whole Gospel of John. He just writes the disciple whom Jesus loves. Now that sounds kind of arrogant, right? Like I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. It's like my kids, like, Dad, I'm your favorite, right? He's like, this is what I know, is that Jesus loves me. Isn't, isn't that a great thing to find our identity in? Because I'm loved by Jesus. Not in whether God uses me or whether God doesn't use me, not in accomplishments, in the fact that my name is written in heaven. So it protects us from pride, but it also protects us from discouragement. If my joy is in the things of this world, I'm going to be disappointed. You know, Christmas time, I think for a lot of people, leads us to disappointment because there's all these expectations. I think Hallmark has created way too many expectations with Christmas, right? You don't even have to watch those movies and you know you're supposed to have a good day on Christmas. Well, what if you don't? And then you check social media and everybody's posting that perfect moment that they have around the Christmas tree. And innately, we start to feel all the lack in our life. The lack of relationships and the lack of resources, the, the lack of ability to give gifts or the lack of to receive, receive gifts. And all of a sudden, we've just plummet. We've had this earthly expectation. But what if our joy was placed in the reality that our name's written in heaven? That doesn't change. Once Christmas comes and goes, our name's written in heaven. It's permanent. What if our joy is found in the economy? There's a lot of ups and downs. The stock market. What if, what if your joy follows the stock market? Well, you're really depressed this year. It's been a really bad year, right? But what if your joy is found in that 
your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? What if, what if your joy is connected to the political scene in the United States of America? I feel sorry for you, right? You know me, you know my heart. I think we should be involved as believers, but that's not where we find our joy. We don't find our joy in our political party. We find our joy in the fact that we're citizens of heaven. Amen, right? Relationships, the joy of relationships. I believe we should be enjoying relationships that believers but relationships can come and go. Loved ones can, can pass away. I visited a lady in our church that she went into hospice on Monday. Visited her yesterday and she went home to be with the Lord in the night last night. I was surprised to hear from her family that she went so quickly. Like, it's one of the terrifying things about relationships. And yet, even in the midst of death, to know our names are written in heaven, that loved one has gone home to be with the Lord. They're, they're with Jesus. There's no more pain. There's, there's no more sorrow. There's no more difficulty. So the earthly joys are temporal and they come and they go and there's ups and there's downs. But to put our joy in the fact that our name's written in heaven, it protects us from pride and it also protects us from these disappointments in life. Rejoicing in that our name's written in the Lamb's book of life also provides endurance. Uh, turn with me to... Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at the first few verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And Jesus really had this heavenly mindset. Jesus was looking forward to the joy that was set uh, before him. So Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Hebrews chapter 11. Go back and revisit it and read through the testimony of believers that have gone before us. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And they all encourage us that the race can be finished. We will not be in this life forever. Someday we will be in eternal life. And all of these heroes of faith and Hebrews chapter 11 are a testimony to that. Interesting when you study their lives. In the Old Testament, we see all of their sin, shortcomings, flaws. But in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, we don't see any of their shortcomings. They're covered in Christ. <laughs> and as we look forward to being with the Lord, all of our sin is covered in Jesus Christ. We also have testimonies from those that are closer to us, family, friends that have gone home to be with the Lord. They've finished, and they're an encouragement to us. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. There's two categories. As we're running this race, there's two things that weigh us down. One is just weights. That's not necessarily sinful things, but there are things that we're holding on to. And then there's also sin, which so easily ensnares us. Sin, which so easily entraps us. You guys want to let, let you in on a little secret? As the weather's getting cold, if you get some mice in your garage, they cannot resist caramel. If you take some caramel and you chew it up a little bit and stick it on the trap, cheese, they'll eat it right off the trap. A friend of mine shared that with me, and it works. It works every time. And when there's caramel in the trap, it so easily ensnares them, right? And sin so easily ensnares me, unfortunately. 
There's those weights that are so easy to get piled on us. My family and I, we like going over here to Trinity Fitness, a nonprofit, Christ centered CrossFit gym right behind the church. And we do these things called farmer carries. I know it doesn't look like I do them, but I do do them occasionally. <laughs> but th- these farmer carries, they're dumbbells, kettlebells, kettlebells, excuse me, and, and you just carry them around the parking lot back here. You do a 200 meter, and then, and then when you, you set them down, it's the best feeling in the world. And we do some devotionals over there, and a lot of times the devotionals will tie in with the workouts and this encouragement to just lay the, the weights down. And especially for me, just those last two weeks, I just feel like, man, there's been some weights that are piling up in my heart and my life, and I need to give them to the Lord. I need to lay them at the Lord's feet. And when we think about this heavenly mindset and running this race, we've got to lay the weights down. So whether it's sin or it's not sin, but it's a worry that's concerning you, lay it down right now before the Lord. Just set it down and then let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So once the the weights are released, guess what? We can run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. It's, it's difficult to run. Think about just even going out for a one-mile run carrying weights, let alone five miles or ten miles. And everybody's looking at you like, hey, bro, why are you carrying that kettlebell around on this race? Don't you know this is a race? When you notice a race, it's lightweight. Everything's all about lightweight to the shoes, to what they're wearing. And half the time you're like, get some clothes on. Hey, you know. <laughs> But it's all about being lightweight. And so we got to let the weight go and then run with endurance the race that God set before us. Notice this Christian life as we're journeying towards heaven with this heavenly mindset. It is an endurance. It's not a sprint, right? It's not about just having three great weeks with the Lord or, or three months of really being on fire for Jesus. But it's this mindset of I'm going to run with endurance. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to press on the race that God has set before me. The interesting thing about this race is we don't know when the finish line is. God knows. We each have an expiration date stamped on the back of our head that only God knows. But he knows. I mean, we could be a lot closer than we think. We could be weeks, days, months, or it could be be years. Jesus does promise the rapture of the church, but we don't know when the rapture of the church is going to take place. So, so we're running with endurance the race that God has, has set before us. This week at home, we, we started watching a, a documentary on the Tour de France and also the food that they eat while they're riding. It's pretty fascinating, the nutrition that goes along with that level of, of exercise. And some of you know well better than me, but the Tour de France is 2,068 miles. 2,068 miles. There's 21 days of riding with only two days of rest. So over 23 days, they ride just under 2,100 miles. That's an endurance. If if you're going to win the Tour de France, you're not just going to have one good day. You're going, okay, I have to go after this day after day. And all the training that goes up long before they ever get to the Tour de France. We can't just be like, okay, I'm going to be in the Tour de France tomorrow, right? (laughs) Also, these miles are up mountains and down mountains. It's difficult terrain. It's, it's not doing a 2,000-mile ride through the heartland of the United States, you know, through Kansas and Nebraska and 
Those type of things. And God's called us to that, that place of endurance. But this is where the heavenly mindset really impacts us. In verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus lived this. He embodied this. The author and the finisher of our faith he ran his race with endurance. And where was his mindset? Where was his joy? It wasn't in this life. It was on the joy that was set before him. He was rejoicing in heaven. He was rejoicing in the glory that was prepared for him. To the point where when he was on the cross, scripture tells us he's despising the shame. The cross was brutal. It was painful. Jesus embraced all of that suffering, the physical suffering. The crown of thorns, being whipped, his beard being ripped out, being spit upon, being nailed to the cross. But also the spiritual suffering, where he was punished for our sin. My sin, your sin, the sin of the world. To where he cries out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what got Jesus through this? Where was his mind? Where was his heart? The joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? Being reunited with the Father, absolutely. But also inheriting the church. He was suffering with us in mind. Knowing this suffering is going to result in Eric's salvation. In Mark's salvation. In Jared's salvation. Rocky Mountain Calvary's salvation. He's like, it's worth it. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to continue. I'm going to keep going forward. And for us to rejoice that our name is written in heaven, it's with endurance. It's saying, I'm looking forward to the fact that this life is going to be finished. I'm, I'm not going to do anything to take my own life. Life is a gift from the Lord. But I'm looking forward to being with the Lord. I'm looking forward to all that God has for me. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled because I go to prepare a place for you. It's that eternal mindset. It's looking forward to the joy that is prepared before us. He didn't tell the disciples, hey, don't let your heart be troubled because of this life. In fact, he told us the opposite. In this life, you will have tribulation. Have you found that to be true? There's no way out of that. You will have tribulation. But then Jesus goes on to say, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So what's the joy like for us that's set before us? Well, we're going to see God. That's going to be beyond words. We're going to behold Christ, the Lamb of God, the Alpha and the Omega. He's the creator and transcends time. We're going to see God. We're going to have fellowship with God. There's not going to be sin in the way between us and God. If that weren't enough, God also promises that when we see him, we're going to be like him. We're going to be glorified. And in this glorified state, we're going to have a glorified body. Doesn't your glorified body keep looking better and better? The older and older that we get, we're like, man, I'm looking forward to this glorified body. And the glorified body is actually this body resurrected. Christ's body was his physical earthly body resurrected, glorified. God's going to raise up this body. He's going to raise up the body of all believers. That shows his power. That shows his 
redemption and his restoration. In this glorified body, imagine what it's like to never experience sin and how pure our relationship with God is going to be and how pure our relationship with one another is going to be. Unfortunately, we tend to sin against our own families the most, those that we love the most, and to know a relationship with no sin, with brothers and sisters in Christ where there's no sin. We may struggle getting along this side of heaven, but we're going to get along so well in heaven around the throne room of God. Heaven's not going to be boring. It's not going to be chubby angels with harps forever, right? (laughs) Scripture tells us we're going to rule and reign with Christ. Every good thing here on earth is going to be experienced in heaven. He's going to have tasks for us to do in a glorified state, not fallen because of sin. Incredible. Not to mention the food. Jesus loved to eat in his glorified body. He was always eating. He's preparing a feast for us, the marriage feast of the lamb, and you don't even have to feel bad about it. You don't have to count calories. You don't have to count carbs. You don't have to do any of that garbage, right? Just get to enjoy it together. If we could get a vision of how wonderful heaven is going to be, then we endure with the joy that's set before us. Rejoicing that our name is written in heaven allows us to endure. Okay, this is momentary. This is only for a moment compared to eternity. What's our life compared to eternity? It's just a moment in time. So rejoicing provides endurance. And the third is rejoicing that our names written in heaven provides the right mindset. And this is Colossians chapter 3. If you turn with me over to Colossians chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. It's also translated sense. It's not a question. It's stating a truth. Sense. You were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So we're told to do two things. We're told to seek those things that are above and to set our mind on things that are above. Well, what's above? What's in heaven? What is there at the throne of God? It becomes very clear. It's Christ. Christ is in heaven. Christ is eternal. God is in heaven. God is eternal. So we're to set our mind on Christ. We're to seek those things that are above. What also is in heaven? Well, people. People are in heaven. Those that have died and gone Before us, they're with the the Lord, they're in heaven. So when we think about heaven and we think about what's above and we think about what's going to last for eternity, it becomes a really short list, doesn't it? It becomes our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And that's what we're to set our mind on. That's what we're to, to seek. God wants us to have that mindset of a heavenly perspective. Have you found that the battle's really won and lost in the mind? How we're thinking is, is really important. Some pastors have put it this way, stinking thinking, right? So many days we're going through life just with the wrong mindset. And we're seeking the things here of earth instead of seeking the things that are above. 
Now, there's some that have said, if, if you become heavenly minded, that you're no earthly good. Well, you're too heavenly minded. No, when you become heavenly minded, you then have the right perspective on this life. It, it's wrong for us to think of heaven and disengage from the responsibilities of this life. If we're thinking of heaven accurately, then that provides motivation and re- relationship to steward all aspects of life. Say, I'm, I'm pressing into my family because I'm going into heaven. I, I'm pressing into my work because I want my worship to be my work. I'm, I'm going to press into my citizenship here on earth. I want to glorify God and that freedom that has been given to me. But it's all from the top down. It's all from a heavenly perspective and it's influencing every area of my life. But it's so easy just to get caught up in the rat race of this life and seeking the things of this life and setting our mind on things of the earth. In verse 3, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Do you know you're dead? You died. What did you die to? You died to sin. You died to this world system. We no longer need to be seeking identity or satisfaction from this world system. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and and the pride of life. But our life now is hidden in Christ. That's the one that we've set our mind upon. And he's going to appear. And when he appears, you will appear with him in glory. The church being raptured. Christ returning with the saints that have already gone before us. Church, that's going to happen. Jesus is coming. We're going to experience it one way or the other, whether in the rapture or having already gone home to to be with the Lord. When he appears, you're going to appear with him in glory. You're going to forever be with the Lord. And we comfort each other with those words. This mindset of heaven, what gets us to a place where we have this eternal mindset? My pastor shared this in a message when I was growing up years ago, and it stayed with me, and I, and I want to share it with you as well. There, there's three things that God really uses. I'm sure a lot more than this, but three things that God uses to cause us to have a heavenly mindset, and the first is trials. God will ordain, he'll allow trials in our lives so we don't get too comfortable in this life. You know this is true. When you go through hard times, you find yourself talking about heaven. <laughs> when we were going through the difficulties of COVID in 2020, people were talking about heaven. People were focusing on the reality of heaven. From big trials to little trials. When my car breaks down, it makes me long for heaven. When my furnace busts or I need a new hot water heater, I think about, man, Lord, this is going to be so nice in heaven to not have to deal with this. When my, ball, when my body falters and doesn't function the way that it once did, it causes me to think of heaven. It causes me to go, man, I'm really looking forward to what God has in store for me in heaven. When there's relational tension and relational heartbreak, it causes me to go, oh, I can't wait to enjoy relationships apart from sin. When we see all of this nonsense in humans' leadership, it causes me to long for the leadership of Christ. Amen? Amen. It causes me to long for the day to see Christ rule over the nations. But if it wasn't for trials, 
if I'm honest, I'd be pretty content to just coast in this life, to not really think about heaven, to not think of the importance of living for Christ, of seeing people come to know Christ as their savior. We cannot yet see things from God's perspective. But what if God in his love for us said, you know what, Eric, I don't want you going through this life focused on the temporal things. It's better for you to be focused on the eternal things. So I'm going to allow some trials in your life. And those trials are actually going to keep you anchored in heaven. If we allow it to, trials will cause us to rejoice that our names are written in heaven. The next thing is treasure. God uses treasure to give us this heavenly mindset. Jesus said that your heart follows treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm sure as a parent, for those of you that are parents, your heart is with your children. Even if they're long grown and out of the house. Why? Because you treasure them in a, in a good way. Your, your heart is going to follow your treasure. Jesus is speaking of this actually in financial terms. He's saying, where you invest your finances, your heart's going to follow. You know, if God's led you to give tithes and offerings to the work here at Rocky Mountain Calvary, I bet your heart is invested here because your heart follows your treasure, right? So one of the ways that we put our focus on heaven is giving to kingdom work. And God gets to lead you. He gets to lead me. The Bible tells us to be cheerful givers and the Holy Spirit will put on our hearts, hey, this is where I want you to give and this is how I want you to invest in the kingdom. But as we invest finances into the kingdom, we're actually laying up treasure in heaven. And I don't know exactly how that works, but Jesus taught us that. And over time, all of a sudden, we go, you know what? I have more invested, hopefully, in what's going to last for all of eternity than I do in this life. Yeah, I need to be a, a good financial steward. It takes responsibility just to be able to have money to be able to give. One of the reasons that we work is so that we can be able to, to give. But as you give, God's freeing us up from greed and he's putting our heart in a healthy place. He's putting our heart in heaven. So your heart's gonna also follow your treasure. I think one of the most painful ways that our heart gets established in heaven is number three, and it's through transfers. When you have a loved one that passes away, that dies, and goes home to be with the Lord, heaven becomes very real. It's no longer ethereal because your mom, your dad is in heaven. Your spouse is in heaven. Your best friend is in heaven. One of your children is in heaven. We had two miscarriages between our older two kids and our younger two kids and didn't get pregnant for a season there. And I think about what it's going to be like to meet those two kids in heaven. You know, we know what God teaches about life, that life begins in conception, and God took those two little ones home to be with the Lord before we could meet them. But I look forward to that. That's going to, it's going to be exciting to see how all that works out in, in heaven. You know, I think of Jenny Ledbetter, who is good friends of ours. Uh, Jason and Jenny Ledbetter, uh, known them 
since we got married over, over 20 years and just about three years ago, Jenny went home to be with the Lord. She passed away of, of colon cancer and her husband, Jason, is a good friend and we go running together and watching him suffer such a, such a tremendous loss. And Jenny worked for years in our children's ministry. She had all four of our kids in children's ministry and she survived it, <laughs> you know? And she's home with the Lord. Sometimes when I walk these halls, I, I think of Jenny and she's transferred and man, she arrived safe in her early 40s to go home to be with the Lord. It's a lot sooner than I would have thought. You know, it's a lot sooner than I would have expected, but, but the Lord took her home. And, and you all have those that are close to you that are in the Lord that have went home. And, and that's God's way of taking our hearts and depositing them in heaven. There's a story of a, of a dad who lived out in the country and his three children over time, they all moved into town. And he never wanted to move into town. And he always said, no, I'm, I'm not going to move into town. But one daughter moved to town, another daughter moved to town, and then his son moved to town. And before you knew it, there was more of his heart that was in town than was out in the country. And guess what? He eventually moved into town. And God has a way, if we allow him to, as we travel through this life, where he just keeps depositing more and more in heaven. Trials put our heart in heaven. Treasure puts our heart in heaven. Transfers puts our heart in heaven. And then heaven becomes something that anchors us. You know, you think of an anchor on a boat, and that anchor goes to the bottom of the sea, to the bottom of the lake. But our anchor as believers, it goes up. And our anchor is in heaven. It's at the very throne room of God. And that's where we're anchored. And we go through this life where our true joy is found in the truth of knowing my name is written in heaven. So hear the words of Christ, what he says to us in John 16. I want to end with, with this this evening. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. Would you stand with me and let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you've gone before us, that you're preparing a place for us. And this life is good. This life is beautiful. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we can only imagine the glories of heaven. Through your spirit, would you reveal the hope that awaits us? May our anchor go deep into the promise that you have written our name in heaven. The trials of this life cannot affect that. Lord, you know me and you know how easily I get focused back on the things of this earth. Lord, would you help us to really live this out, to apply this to our lives? as we go forward. We need your help. Would, would you plant your word deep in our hearts? We look forward to being with you. We just ask through your power that you would allow us to experience true joy. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.